Welcome to a brand new episode of Any Given Friday. What, what? That's right, episode 20 of season 3 is here, Friday, January 24th. We appreciate you tuning in. Like many great duos from throughout time, like Batman and Robin. Laverne and Shirley. Laverne and Shirley. Corey Matthews and Sean Hunter. Brooks and Dunn, whatever. We are your hosts of Any Given Friday. My name is Justin Hubbard. I'm the sports editor of Lincoln Community News. Will Petty's with me. You've already heard his sterling voice today. This is the earliest I've ever came in. It is. It, you just butted right in there. But no, it's all good. I broke the walls down. <laughs> Break down the wall. Okay. Um, and there's your first out. wrestling reference of the day. Yes. Yes. Shout out to Chris Jericho pre-AEW. Okay. We got a loaded show coming up this afternoon. How loaded is it? Uh, pretty loaded. Pretty loaded. Because we got to talk about college football and mainly some developments surrounding the Georgia football team. Yeah. Uh, we got to talk about Championship Sunday in the NFL and uh, a pretty major retirement from the NFL. And then, of course, to close out the show, we are going to discuss this Sunday's pay-per-view, WWE Royal Rumble. Yeah, come on. That is Will Petty's favorite wrestling pay-per-view of all time. And, it is. Uh, we're going to go match by match and break that down and then, of course, give our predictions on the main Royal Rumble results. But first, let's talk about college football. And let's discuss, like I said, Georgia. Got some recent developments that broke uh, after Will and I met up last week. And uh, they're, they're pretty significant. Uh, I, I think, first and foremost, we got to discuss the coaching changes. Yeah. Todd Monken was officially brought in as offensive coordinator. And that means that James Coley has been moved to assistant head coach. Uh, there's been a lot of things written about this over the last several days. Will, what is your, I guess, evaluation of this move? I think it's a good move overall. Uh, I think it, you know, obviously a lot of people were thinking that things with Coley weren't quite working out in that position. So, you know, the guy coming in, doing these things with Tampa, I mean, Tampa has its own share of problems, but, uh, you, I mean, you can't say it's their offense. I mean, they, no. they've done great work even with a mediocre quarterback like Jameis Winston. <laughs> Um, so I think that's just going to add more pizzazz to Georgia. It makes it makes Georgia a more dominant offense and honestly makes up for the loss of from to an extent. Yeah. You mentioned his time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that's the biggest, uh, feather in his cap. At this Nuck point. if you buck. <laughs> uh, they, uh, the Bucks were the number one offense in the NFL during the 2018 season last year, this past season, he served as offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. We had discussed the Browns many times here and how big of a disappointment they were this year. But per all accounts, Monken did not have play calling duties right. with the Browns. So I'm, I'm willing to give him a pass on that. Because I think even still, they did some good things offensively. Nick Chubb was the second leading rusher in all the NFL, so not bad there. Uh, but a big thing is his prior experience to the last two years in the NFL. He was head coach down at Southern Miss, and apparently one of his quarterbacks was the second ever FBS QB to throw for 4,000 yards in a, a single season. Not bad. I know it's just Southern Miss, but not bad. Hey, I mean, Brett Favre just that went is, to Southern Miss. That is very, very true. Good old um, Hattiesburg. And he went to one of your favorite teams, Oklahoma State, as, as the offensive coordinator several years back. Well, I'll forgive him for that. And that offense was explosive. If you look back at the numbers, he made Brandon Whedon 
He made him into a first round pick. I mean, yeah. So, and I believe he had Blackman too. Didn't yeah, he? yeah, Justin yeah. Blackman. Yeah, it was during that era. So, I I agree with you. I'm very excited about this. I think the style of play that has always followed Mockett is exactly what Georgia needs. Um, and I, I think we'll see a greater emphasis on the passing. Things are going to be opened up a lot more. And like you said, Jake Fromm leaving, I think this was the right opportunity, the right time to do this. Absolutely. And also they brought in Buster Faulkner. Uh, per this, as of this recording, we don't have an official word, but by all reports it's very likely that Faulkner is just going to be in a quality control or analyst role. He's the former Valdosta State quarterback. So uh, they are they are gearing up to throw the ball in 2020, and I'm very much excited about that. I think it proves that Kirby Smart is quite smart. Yes, he is quite smart. He's living up to his namesake. I think it it proves that he's serious about closing the very noticeable gap between Georgia and then Clemson and even Oklahoma and Alabama. Yeah. Those teams. LSU from this past season, even though we agree, LSU's about to take a downturn. Um, (laughs) Big, big changes for them. But I, I think it proves that he's ready to do that. And like I said, I think it's the perfect time to do it. Fromm is gone. And I, I, again, I love Jake Fromm. Big fan. But I think his physical skill set maybe would not have meshed so well with what is expected to be the new offensive philosophy. And Jamie Newman stepping in this year is is going to be a, a huge catalyst for the offense, yeah. I think. And I think you know, I think Fromm's going to find his right fit in the NFL. Oh, of course. It's just not – I just don't think that fit was necessarily – this past season in Georgia, but you know, we've talked about it numerous times how much of that was really on from, how much of that was really right. on the receiving core, right. how much was that on a lot of things in play, yeah, coaching, coaching I mean, too, yeah. Uh, and, and kudos to Kirby Smart because first and foremost, James Coley is his guy, and it could not have been easy to come to this decision because he went out of his way to get him, went, he paid him a lot of money to keep him the last couple of years because Coley got a lot of interesting looks and everything. and uh, But I, I think finally Kirby looked at his whole four years, plenty of a, a sample size, and saw that the offense just was not good enough to win when it mattered most. So I, I'm excited to see what happens this season. But looking ahead, past 2020, uh, all of a sudden Georgia's quarterback room is completely full yet again. Brock Vandegrift, excuse me. Vandergift. Brock Vandegrift. That's your second very terrible pro wrestling reference. Is that your client? <laughs> My client, Brock. In all seriousness, I love Brooke Whitmire, the uh, Sanford Stadium PA announcer, but I, I just, I really hope that they hook up with Tony. Well, I guess Tony Schiavone maybe not be the best person right now, but find somebody who has a connection with Paul Heyman and get Paul Heyman to record the intros for Brock Vandegrift for every every Saturday in Athens. I would love to have that. Anyway, he's the number one quarterback in the country out of uh, Prince Avenue Christian School of all places. Oconee County, I believe. Yeah, yeah, from uh, from Bogart. So he's a hometown boy. Obviously, he was previously committed to Oklahoma. Yeah. And decommitted, I think, January 1st. So this, this moved very quickly. Um the very little bit of research I was able to do, I looked on Vandegrift's uh, 247 or 247, whatever, page. It looks like Monken was involved with his recruitment to Georgia. So even though Monken just got on the staff last week, it looks like some of this has been 
in play for a while. So uh, what, what do you think about Vandegrift uh, picking Georgia after he left, decided to decommit from your Oklahoma Sooners? Well, I mean, my Georgia Bulldogs come first. Let's make that clear. Um, so I'm happy with it. Um, it does raise a lot of question marks for me still as an Oklahoma side because I think all signs originally pointed to him decommitting from Oklahoma because everybody thought that Lincoln Riley wasn't going to stay yeah. around, but yet Lincoln is still here. Uh, he didn't go to Dallas like everybody thought he would. Um, so I'm wondering if 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 these decisions in the NFL would have been made earlier, would Georgia have had the opportunity to get Vandergriff to come? So, you know, he's talked a lot about wanting to be closer to home, but I don't think he ever really wanted to be, like, five miles close to home. <laughs> so, uh, you know, all that aside, though, I, I, I'm happy about it. Um, I can't wait to see what he does this season at Prince Ave. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's some opportunity with him being that close to Georgia that he can go ahead and get some early training going without, yeah. you know, violating NCAA protocol or whatever. But. Yeah, you got to think he'll be an early enrollee. Yeah, he, ha- he has to be. I mean, so at the very least, that would be a huge boost. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, more negative comments. But first of all, some people think that this is going to push out Jamie Newman. Um, this is a 2021 commit. So Jamie just, Newman's a one-year deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's this year, and then that's it. So, I mean. He's a one and done. And now, yeah. you know, if you're Carson Beck or you're uh, yeah. one of these others. Dwan Mathis. Yeah, yeah. Then, then that's a whole different story. But Yeah, things are going to get interesting with that. But also, I've seen some people criticize the fact that he's a pro-style quarterback and they want a more dynamic quarterback. First of all, I've not seen Vandegrift play personally, but everything I've heard about him says that he's got a terrible offensive line in front of him. So he has to move a lot, and he can move a lot from everything I've heard. So I'm not so much concerned about that. And also, they, I think people seem to think Georgia is going to become you know, one of these ACC spread offenses. I don't think that's going to happen either. I think we're going to see a change in the offensive philosophy, but – I, I think we need to pump the brakes on expecting this to be instead you know, of expecting yeah. Jamie Newman to be the second coming of maybe a Cam Newton. Instead of running eighty percent of the time, probably gonna run sixty percent of the right, time. Like, right. Let's be There's, real. Well, I, I think they may go a little more pass heavy than that, but I, I I'm okay with this because I think Vandegrift definitely possesses the right skill set, and people have griped and moaned about Georgia in general, and even Kirby Smart missing out on these big in-state recruits. They just got a, the biggest fish of the 2021C. So I'm excited, and you know I think anybody who is questioning this probably needs to pump the brakes a little bit. All right, very quickly, uh, we got to discuss what was Championship Sunday throughout the NFL. Uh, the NFC Championship ended with the San Francisco 49ers toppling the Green Bay Packers 37-20, to and then the Kansas City Chiefs beat up the Tennessee Titans 35-24, um, I guess if you want to get started, we could break these down. But I think we called both of these results, if, I, if they're not correct. I believe we did, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, San Francisco, I'll be honest, I didn't watch much of either of these games. But the Niners were up 27 to nothing at one point. Just a complete dismantling. My favorite fact. You messed up, A.A. Ron. Yeah. My favorite little uh, tidbit coming out of this. Jimmy Garoppolo went six for eight. Throughout the entire game. He threw eight passes. That's incredible. Yeah, but now Tevin Coleman's out. So. Yeah, that's true. 
So they're going to have to rely on their passing game a little bit. I don't know. They got, uh, I may be mispronounced this, but Raheem Mostert or Mostert. I mean, the guy carried it 29 times. For, We're Southern boys. We can't not see For anything, 220 right? and four TDs. So I think they might be okay in the running game. But, yeah, you're, you're right. That's Obviously, you never want to get an injury this late in the year. I mean, it was just a thrashing. I mean, San Francisco took hold early, and they just did not let go. Uh, Green Bay, they kind of looked like they were in the NFC East throughout the game. I mean, it was <laughs> it, it was I appreciate the dig. It was hard to watch. You know, in all seriousness, I think it's it may be time to start questioning the, the whole voodoo magic side of Aaron Rodgers because – that always seems to happen against one team, and unfortunately, it's my Dallas Cowboys. But he and the Packers failed on this stage against the 49ers. And it wasn't McCarthy's fault. Right. Much like they failed a couple of years ago at Atlanta when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that was a complete dismantling, too. So. Well, it's kind of funny that you bring up voodoo and like curses and stuff because a big thing in the Christian community right now is... Uh, Earlier this week, he had an interview, I guess, with his wife on a podcast. Or I don't know—is Danica Patrick his wife? No, or no. Wife, but I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, wife or girlfriend, some of like that close confidant. And uh, he basically came out and said he wasn't a Christian. So yeah. now there's a—I mean, there's a whole thing about how maybe his lack of faith in God may have caused this whole thing. But at the yeah. same time, you gotta be like, what about Tebow? I mean, that was yeah. about the most Christian man you ever had in the history of the NFL, and. Where is he now? If my unanswered prayers are any indication, God does not care about football. Because if he did, Georgia would have every national championship and the Cowboys would have every Super Bowl. That's fair, yeah. <laughs> uh, going over to the AFC championship, as I said, Kansas City defeated Tennessee 35-24. I, I got to take a minute and pat myself on the back. Last week you had to razz me about completely missing the mark with LSU Clemson, but I was on the money with this because I told you – that I felt like uh, excuse me, Tennessee would come out, run the ball well, control it for a certain period, and probably even win time of possession. But I also said it wasn't going to matter because Kansas City knew how to score quickly. That's exactly what happened here. You know, you look at the way Tennessee controlled the ball early and built first a 10 nothing lead and then a 17-10 lead. Uh, Kansas City's high-octane offense really kicked in after that. The entire game, they only had two drives that lasted five minutes or more. And they had a couple of eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 play drives that just were, were over in an instant. So uh, I just had to brag on myself for a minute. I, I, had, a, I had a tough scene a week ago here, <laughs> but I, I feel pretty good about the way I called this one. Yeah, I mean, it was a good game. And I think really people aren't going to say it right now, but this game has basically going to change the course of NFL for years to come now because everybody said defense wins championships, defense wins championships. Who is like the most defensive team that was left in the playoffs? I mean, it was Tennessee. And Mahomes made mincemeat out of them. Yeah, it was a challenge at first, but eventually they prevailed. So I think after seeing this, I think a lot of these other teams throughout the league are going to start adapting to a more, you know, Kansas City-like offense. They're going to have to. That's how you're going to have to survive in the future. Um, of course, it's completely different in college where the Big 12 can't do crap when they do the same thing. But, yeah, no, we're, we're digressing. Uh, I just, I mean, it was impressive to me, though, that for the second week in a row, 
a team builds up a pretty substantial lead against the Chiefs. A lead that if it was just about any other team in the NFL, like we we'd just be like game's over. But it's the Chiefs. Like yep. they find ways to come back and muster back and make sure that they can get it done in enough time that they get in their drive. I mean, yeah, you said there might have been one minute difference in possession, but I guarantee you there was probably about three or four more, you know, drives that Kansas City was suddenly able to have just because mm-hmm. how quickly they were. So um Again, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. First time in 50 years that they've done so. And uh, I'm expecting a really good Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, of course, we had the Pro Bowl this week, so we got a week off before the big game. We're going to break it down and predict next week, of course. But I agree with you. I think, uh, as you pointed out, second week in a row that the Chiefs faced a, a pretty hefty deficit. Obviously, this wasn't – Quite as bad as that game against Houston. But uh, the only reason they were able to snap out of it is because, as you said, their offense is their bread and butter. And, you know, they could, they could do enough defensively to hurt you and then to kill you with the offense and even the special teams at times. Oh, yeah. They have a couple of mishaps on special teams, but that's going to happen with everybody. But if you're the Chiefs and you're looking at four, five, six bad moments on special teams, not including missed field goals, that's going to happen. If that's all you have to complain about all season, you're doing okay. And, uh, yeah, they got Miko Harmon back there, of course, who is a game changer at times. Returning and a kicks. dog. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I, I think across the board, Kansas City is showing that you can win even if you don't have a defense. And I, I think I might have pointed out on here, I'm not sure if it was on the show or in conversations I had elsewhere, but Kansas City saw – New England go down and, and knows that this – it could be. I don't think so. It could be their best chance of getting to and winning the Super Bowl without having to worry about the Patriots in the way. Because if Bill Belichick gets to the championship round, he's got to find a way to win, oh, just yeah. like they did last year against Kansas City. So uh, kudos to them for cashing in, and I agree with you. We'll talk more next week. They brought am, the briefcase with them. Yeah. I am uh, I am stoked. <laughs> Now, obviously, we're talking money at the bank today. Uh, but I am stoked for the Super Bowl coming up next Sunday. Okay, well, as we said at the top of the show, we uh, kind of wanted to get through football fast because we got a lot we want to discuss right now with the WWE. I mean, we even, like, skipped through the, our talk about Eli Manning's career. Oh, we did. We, 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 we did, but, uh, you know, what's there to say? Like, he, he beat Brady twice. That's all that matters. Yeah, kind of a complicated legacy for the the younger Manning brother. Yeah, he uh, beat Oklahoma in the Independence Bowl during Bob Stoops' first season. Okay. And then that led Oklahoma to win the title. That's a whole different thing, but let's get to wrestling. (laughs) Pograps. Yeah, let's talk about the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. I think it's coming up Sunday at 7 p.m., hailing from Minute Maid Park in Houston. Um, I... I fully expect there to be some references to the Houston Astros. Oh yeah, cheating scandal. I really hope there will be. Oh man, I mean that's like my my friends and I. We always do prop bets. Like you 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 best believe that's gonna be a prop bet. <laughs> um. So yeah, it, it's gonna be interesting to see how everything unfolds. So we're gonna take it match by match, and this is as of Thursday at one p.m. These are all of the confirmed matches that we know. Um, we might throw in a couple that we think are going to happen as, as we talk about these storylines and whatnot. But 
Uh, let's go down the list of the ones we know as of right now. Uh, Shorty G, aka or FKA, Chad Gable is taking on the returning Sheamus. Um, I'll be honest, I on my DVR have kind of fast forwarded through the storyline. Yeah, I haven't paid any attention to it. You, no, full you, disclosure, Will didn't even know who Shorty G was. I, but you know what? I'm now a fan because I I really hated Chad Gable's gimmick. I just hated. Really? The, yeah, I didn't like it. Like. I'm another all-American wrestler. Woohoo! I'm following literally what Kurt Angle did. Wow! So I like that they kind of changed it and gave him something else. It was derivative. I get your point. Yeah. But uh, Sheamus, um, I mean, I I can never go against Sheamus in a match like this. I've I've always sort of been a Sheamus fan, even when he's a heel, even when he's a face. It don't matter. I just. I just like watching him take his big boot and kick people in the head with it. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to watch. And, yeah, of course, Sheamus is coming off of an injury. He had a few weeks of vignettes building him up, and all of a sudden he came back, attacked Shorty G right away. Um, That's all I know about the storyline, to be perfectly honest with you. I've never been a Sheamus fan. I'm kind of hot and cold on him. There have been times where I felt like he was – Really, really good, and times where I just didn't care for. Well, it. I think the bar went on for way too long, but I agree. I agree. That was, I loved how they got there, because it wasn't that the and we're we're getting off topic, but isn't that the the storyline where Mick Foley as Raw GM had them in a best of seven series? Yeah, Seamus, Seamus versus Cesaro. I believe so. Yeah, and it was a really heated rivalry. And then at the end, they were best friends, tag team. Yeah. I loved the build-up to it and everything, but I agree it lasted way too long. Sheamus has to win here. It's his first pay-per-view match that's coming back. and you know, he, Does anyone expect him to lose? I mean, really. Yeah, you, you can't have him lose in this situation. I mean, kayfabe or, you know, just whatever. I mean, there's that's not how WWE does it. Right. Okay, Andrade, formerly known as Andrade Cien Almas. We've got a couple of name changes already out of the gate. Right. Uh, he is taking on Humberto Carrillo. For the United States Championship. I have a lot of things I want to say about Andrade and this storyline in general. But your thoughts first. I'll let you go first. I mean, I think Andrade's got it. Uh, it's, uh, I, I, I feel kind of weird about the U.S. Championship. Not, okay, let me, let me clarify this. It's not because both of them are Hispanic. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. Even but, though that is definitely a trend. Oh, yeah. For the last several months. With right. This, with this championship. But, like. I feel like it's becoming less of like a wrestling belt and more of a like 205 live type showcase. You know, it always seems to be the more high flyer, acrobatic, you know, fighters that are competing for this championship rather than, you know, like the good old days, quote unquote, when it was just, you know, two big old hosses going in a hoss off to be the American champion. I mean, it, it, it's exciting. I get it, but it just always it, it just always seems a little weird to me. On the whole, I do agree with you, but I think I think they have an opportunity now with Andrade because he he's got a little bit of that uh, high flyer in him, but yeah. he's still. I think he could be a heavyweight champion too. I sure. think he's a good blend of both styles. But uh, you you picked Andrade, correct? Yeah, uh, I agree. I think as I just said, this is an excellent opportunity to build up this championship. And at the same time, build up Andrade. I love the guy. I am sold on him completely. And he's only gotten better as he's uh, very noticeably started to learn English a little more. 
but he's got Zelina Vega in his corner. He doesn't even need to speak. That's yeah. true. She, this is one of the best acts in all of WWE. She needs to be allowed to talk more and you know, kind of build him up and everything. He needs to be allowed to wrestle the same way he has the last several weeks. I watched this past Monday when Andrade uh, took on Rey Mysterio, another one of those you know, luchador-type guys who recently held the U.S. Championship. They had a, a pretty great ladder match. They had a couple of bad spots, but on the whole, pretty good match. And as I watched it and everything, and I saw how Zelina Vega was involved and everything, I just had this thought, and, and everybody expects Andrade to be a world champion one day. I think this is the year for the WWE to build up Andrade and maybe in a year's time we're looking at him as the, the odds on favorite to win the Royal Rumble, go on to main event WrestleMania and be the guy yeah. at next year's WrestleMania. I think he has that potential right now in the next calendar year. So I'm excited to see what happens with him and I think it's going to get started Sunday with a, a a, a nice showcase went over Humberto Carrillo. Carrillo's young. I looked it up today. He's, he's 20. 24 years old. Yeah. So he's younger than you and me both. Uh, he's got some time. I still think he's a little rough around the edges, but Andrade is already a main event act. It's just main events a little little crowded. Um, and I expect them to strap a rocket at him over the next 12 months. And I'm excited to see what happens to him in the short term and in the long term. Well, the signs are there. <laughs> What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Houston Astros. SmackDown Women's Championship. Y'all, it's it's time for probably one of my favorite non-Royal Rumble matches of this one. Bailey and Lacey Evans. Who do you like in this one? Uh, who do I like? That's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, I'm not a big fan of either of these. Um, Lacey Evans, I think, is a little bit better because I think she can talk better. But I feel like she's miscast right now. I think what they're doing with Bailey as a heel is good. It's yeah. the most interested I've ever been in her character. And I've said a lot because, as I've told you in the past, I've never really cared for Bailey as a character. Um, I don't know how to call this one. I think I think it's too early in Bailey's run to kind of have her take a showcase loss here, especially on one of the biggest pay-per-views. It really depends on how much they like Lacey Evans. It is clear that they think very highly of her. Uh, backstage, so um, I'm I'm gonna pick Bailey, and I think Sasha Banks may get involved. I mean, she's obviously been a a very integral part of this entire storyline. She's been integral with Bailey's whole career. That's right, that's right, and and I'll say some more about that later. But I I think Bailey wins the match, but I would not be shocked if Lacey Evans did win. Uh, but I'm gonna nail down a, a pick and say Bailey. Well, this is where I'm gonna go against you because I'm going oh, with Lacey Evans. Okay. I mean, I understand what you're saying. You know, she's a heel. They're really trying to build it up. But also, there is a lot of appreciation for Lacey Evans. I think that uh, she's becoming more and more of a favorite, even amongst the universe. Um, she's already made, I mean, last year she made history. Yep. Um, so, I like all that about her. And, I, you know, I just, I love the different gimmicks that they've given her. I mean, she's just done well with them. Um, so, I, I like her chances. I mean, I get what you're saying. I'm not going to be surprised if Bailey wins because, I mean, that that's traditional WWE fandom. You know, like, keep on building the heel. You just made this person a heel. But at the same time, I think that a lot of people are not 
Bailey heel fans either. I think they like Bailey as the face because that's when you get, you know, the flappy inflatable waving arm guy and yep. uh you know, you get all the people dancing and like happy to see her and all that. Hugger sessions yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, you you know that drove a lot of merch. Oh and so I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure that WWE is like ready to get that, you know, piggy bank back. Oh, not not calling her a pig. I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there's a lot of money in that. And um, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing Lacey Evans win. It's a toss up, but I'm going with Lacey Evans. Well, the Royal Rumble matches are obviously gimmick matches, but uh, outside of those two matches this year, we do have a couple more that are a little bit different. And I guess the first one we could discuss is King Corbin versus Roman Reigns in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Uh, We talked last week, you and I both have an appreciation for Baron Corbin and what he's doing as the King of the Ring, but this match, um, do you see them having Corbin win and extend the feud, or does Roman get a decisive win and moves on to whatever his next steps are? If creative is good... Corbin wins, and I mean, he basically like just draws more heat to him. I mean, because he's one of those people that can draw so much heat that all of a sudden the whole universe will go for Roman Reigns. Oh, yeah, it's already happened. Yeah. yeah. Just like, like, I mean, the more you build it on and the more you fume it, even better. I mean, false count anywhere. There's so many different ways they can yeah. do that. Um, unfortunately, it's typical WWE. Roman's going to win, and you know it's going to be one of those things where Corbin dominates like eighty percent of it, and then the big dog finds it from within himself to come out and finally win it and move on to the next big thing, which for him, you know, probably wants to be WrestleMania or something to that extent. So, um, I think the the feud ends here, but I hope I hope Corbin comes out and wins. I am I'm of two minds with this match. On the one hand, the entire feud is leading up to Roman Reigns getting his crowning win, eh, crowning win over King Corbin. Um, this false count anywhere stipulation, it, it's basically a, a no disqualifications match. So anybody can get involved. Both of these guys have a lot of other players attached to them. Uh, there's, what's it going about? Robert Roode with King Corbin and uh, Dolph Ziggler. But on the other side, you get the Usos with Roman Reigns. So, oh man, the Usos. So I, I, I totally think because of this stipulation, and because of the fact that those guys don't have a match, I think there's a 100% chance they get involved in this matchup somehow, some way. I think Roman is gonna win, but I'm gonna agree with you that Baron Corbin should win, and here's why. Roman Reigns right now is the most popular he has ever been with the majority of the WWE crowd. He is as popular as WWE wanted him to be four or five years ago when he was the main event guy. And I think, obviously, the the, uh, cancer situation was was terrible. And I think a lot of people developed some sympathy for him there just in real life, you know, wrestling aside. They had that, and they, they brought him back, and... They have very smartly kept him out of the main event picture the entire time. He hasn't had a championship in forever. Uh, going on about a year and a half now, I think. So it's been a minute since he's been in the, the main spotlight. 
And I think the best way to get him back into it because he's going back to the main event of WrestleMania this year. I don't have any doubt about that. I Is think it the what best I think is going to happen. I want to predict later. Good. That he's going to lose, and then he's going to be a surprise entrant in the Rumble and come out and win it and get his ticket booked. Not only that, I think he loses this match to Baron Corbin in you know shady chicken, you know what heel yeah. fashion by Corbin with those people uh, getting involved. And if the WWE's smart and they want Roman Reigns to be the final man and they want him to be cheered by everybody, the only way to do that is to have him lose to Corbin in this singles match and then come back in the Rumble, have it come down to those two, Roman tosses and Roman goes to challenge the Fiend at WrestleMania because I think that's what's going to happen. I agree with you there. That's exactly how it should be booked if that is the plan for Roman and if they want him to be cheered the way they very obviously have always wanted him to be. Well, you know, we'll talk a little bit about Roman later of on uh, because I have a few other thoughts about the Royal Rumble match. Um, but, I mean, I agree with you. I think that ultimately the way that Roman gets to WrestleMania is through the Rumble. It's yeah. not going to be through this match. Well, we'll talk more about the Rumble later and what we expect to happen. But uh, we got The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and Daniel Bryan for the WWE Universal Championship with a strap match. Yeah. So, first off, what's a strap match? And uh, what do you see happening here? You're asking what a strap match is. Did you not watch SmackDown last week? No. Oh, goodness. So, I, I can't talk about it without spoiling it. Are you okay with me spoiling it for you? Uh, just, you know, I guess it's going to give me like the headline, I guess, of what it okay. is. Okay. The show starts off in a certain way. I got, I got to tiptoe around it. So, just give me a second. It starts off in a certain way that allows for Daniel Bryan to get a leg up on The Fiend for the first time. Okay. Not Bray Wyatt, Mr. Rogers, but The Fiend in the ring. And The Fiend senses the danger and runs away, touches tail, all that good stuff. They come back from commercial. Daniel Bryan is backstage. One of the interview people uh, stops and asks him, you know, what was that all about and everything. And uh, he says, I am challenging The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, to a strap match. My initial reaction was like, oh my God, really? Because these type of matches tend to suck. Right. But the way Brian explained the need for this completely sold me. Basically, so he doesn't want, basically, he doesn't want to run away. Exactly. He said every time the fiend senses danger, he goes. He, he runs. When he doesn't have the upper hand, he doesn't know what to do. So I am not going to give him that option to run away. He is going to have to face me, and I'm going to be ready. Of course, we could predict the match result later, but that is basically the reason for this stipulation. Gotcha. Okay. It was it was one of the most natural ways I've ever seen them build to one of these stupid gimmick matches. Okay, so, so basically they're gonna be tied together so they can't basically Okay, yeah. gotcha. In some fact I don't know how it's gonna be executed that way, but yeah, they're they're gonna be attached basically. Okay. That that's what I was trying to figure out was if it was like they'll be attached. Yeah. So as far as the result goes, it has to be Bray Wyatt. I love Daniel Bryan, all-time great. I, I, I would have no problem with him being the champion from now to the end of time. But number one, the Fiend, the Fiend cannot lose this early in his run. And number two, I think they're saving his first loss for WrestleMania 
against the guy that we were just discussing, Roman Reigns. So, uh, yeah, I got to pick Bray Wyatt, but the same way they were creative in getting us to this match, I hope they're creative with Daniel Bryan and whatever his next steps are going to be. That way he is not left out in the cold for WrestleMania. He's way too good for that. Right, because like my whole thing, too, with this is... I mean, obviously, with the way they're setting it up, after what you, the way you described it to me, I mean, they haven't set up to where Daniel Bryan wins. So, you know. I I don't know about that. Well, I mean, in theory. I mean, of course, like I said. That's what they want you to think. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, like, traditional yeah. WWE gimmickry. Yeah. yeah. Somehow, The Fiend's going to win. Um, Not sure how, not sure when, but, uh, I mean, I'm with you. I think The Fiend is going to win, and... I'm, I mean, we're on the same boat right now with uh, what we think is going to happen. So Absolutely. Well, let's talk about a, a match that I touched on last week and said I wanted to discuss further this week. Becky Lynch, the Raw Women's Champion. The Man is taking on Asuka with the championship on the line. What have you thought about this build? And who do you think is going to win the match? I mean, I think the build's been good. Uh, Asuka, it's it's nice to see her kind of back into the realm again because after the whole, you know, being undefeated for so long and then finally losing, it sort of seemed like WWE dropped the ball for a while and kind of had her go into oblivion. Yep. So I, I like seeing her back into being a competitor. Um, and I think Becky is the right person to kind of get her back into that level. Um of course, I'm going to have to go with Becky. I'd never go against Becky, kind of like how you never pick against Bama in football games. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going with Becky. I mean, I think she she's going to win it. I've loved this build. Um, Becky Lynch is probably my favorite current WWE superstar. I have no problem saying that. Um, I think she is underrated in the ring and... I think there's an argument for her as the best talker in the entire company. Oh, yeah. And we saw that going on two weeks ago now with the uh, Asuka mist in her eyes. Did you see that after the contract signed? Yeah. In freaking credible. I watched that and I was glued to my TV. I, I couldn't believe how, just how great that was, how captivating it was. That wasn't just really good professional wrestling storytelling. That was excellent acting. By Becky Lynch. I, I've been watching wrestling since I can remember. I know the mist does not actually make a person go blind. Right. But in that moment, a part of me was like, oh my God, she can never see again. She was that good. And they had one misstep a few weeks ago. She where can't Becky, see without her glasses. <laughs> they had one misstep a couple weeks ago where Becky came out and basically said, hey, watch this video package. Oscar came out and she punched her and got a, a one-up on Oscar for the first time. That sucked. That was just one uncreative blip on one of the most unique storylines I've ever seen. And I love the fact that it's Becky calling her out saying, I need to beat you. I think it's, it's such a, a, a fresh take, a fresh perspective on this type of match. And um, storyline-wise, this is the one thing that Becky has not checked off her list. And we could discuss the result and the possibilities with our next match, the Women's Royal Rumble. But I think all of that is going to hinge on this match, Becky Lynch versus Asuka. So I'm not going to name a winner for this match because I want to go into the Women's Royal Rumble. 
I have a lot of thoughts and uh, potential outcomes that I want to broach with the Women's Royal Rumble match, but I'll let you get started with that first, and then we'll double back to Becky versus Asuka, because I think, uh, like I said, all this is going to be intertwined, but I'll let you start. Well, right now, we only know of four women yeah. that are going to be here. I mean, all four, I'm a fan of all four, honestly. I mean, I like Charlotte Flair, like Alexa Bliss. Okay, take that back. I'm not a Nikki Cross fan. I, I'm, I'm call me crazy. I just don't like Nikki Cross. I'm 100% with you. I don't get it. Like, it's just sort of like, girls wild, throws stuff around, leaves. Yeah. Like, to me, like, even Ruby Riot was better. Yeah. And apparently it worked very, very well in NXT, but as we've said, I never watched NXT until it went live, so I, right. I didn't see all that. But yeah, totally agree. And I'll admit it, I like Sarah Logan. She hasn't done much of anything, but yeah. I've, done, I've just always been a fan of her style and her gimmicks. So She's got something. Yeah, she does. And I think that it's going to have to take her going solo eventually to really showcase it. Um, I think if you're naming the people that have been named so far, I mean, you got to say Charlotte is a contender, absolutely. I mean, and it would not surprise me because WWE seems to not be able to go too long without yep. Charlotte having some major role. And we already know Charlotte's going to be in WrestleMania. We don't know how. Don't know how it's going to happen, but obviously... Winning the Rumble would be a way to do it. But I'm not going that route. And here's why. They've only named four people, and we got, what, three days before it starts? Mm -hmm. So let's just go ahead and say that at least ten of those are going to be blasts from the past. Uh, let's say another eight of those are going to be probably from NXT. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the others, you're right, you're looking at, you know, the loser between Becky and Asuka. You're looking at the loser between Bailey and... Lucy Evans. Yeah. All right. You can make a few more educated guesses. Sasha Banks. Yeah, Sasha Banks. Liv um, Morgan, Lana. Right. So, um, you know... <laughs> Assuming we don't get more Lana and Lashley crap on this show. God help us if they do. I'm sure we will. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think just with everybody that goes in, I think that the three contenders... Or four contenders. I got four contenders. Okay. The two losers of the championships, whoever they may be, mm -hmm. Charlotte and Sasha. But I also wouldn't be a bit surprised if one of the higher-ups from NXT comes in and, you know, make kind of, you know, changes and really makes a change in the name for NXT and actually comes in and takes it. And all of a sudden, NXT has some sort of advantage going into the the show. Yeah. Which is something I bet Triple H has thought about for years at this point. My prediction right now will be the loser between Bailey and Lacey Evans. Okay. Okay. Um, Just talk about this match straight up. It feels like Sasha Banks year. Yeah. And I know Charlotte is the one that they have mainly focused on during this build. And, you know, with that in mind, I, I don't know how to call it with her because I wouldn't be shot if she won it or didn't win it because of that, because I could see them setting this up to think one or the other is going to happen. Uh, but just straight up, I feel like maybe Sasha's year and she challenges Bailey for the SmackDown, assuming Bailey wins on Sunday. She challenges her, turns face. Because I still think it's too early to turn Bailey back face. 
and we have sort of a mega powers type storyline. Because if you look at Sasha Banks since she came back, she had that red hot feud with Becky Lynch, which in hindsight she probably should have won. Because um, I think she completely cooled down after that. And after they moved her back to SmackDown, she was basically under Bailey's thumb and has been through this storyline with Lacey Evans. So that, I think, is a ready-made feud for WrestleMania. I, I think it'd be a money feud. I would love to see that build in that match. But as I just said a minute ago, I really think the result of this match is going to hinge on Becky Lynch versus Oscar. Here's why. I think... One of two things is going to happen in, or I guess technically one of four things, if we want to extrapolate it, is going to happen with Becky and Asuka. Either Becky is going to win, and as she is celebrating, she's either going to be confronted by Ronda Rousey to set up a rematch at WrestleMania between those two, or Shayna Baszler is going to win the Women's Royal Rumble. Because I don't know if you saw Becky and Shayna's little one-on-one backstage interview ahead of Survivor Series. That jumped off the screen. So you got to think WWE wants to uh, capitalize on that if they can. So I could see either of those happening. Or uh, the other options are Baszler or Rousey come out and cost Becky the match. Uh, against Asuka, and then probably Becky enters Royal Rumble, loses that, and then goes into a non-title feud with those, or either one of those wins the Royal Rumble. So I, I think there are very, okay, there are many possibilities for the women's match. Which is the fun part about the Royal Rumble. Yeah, and I, I think that is the reason I'm most interested in seeing how the women's Royal Rumble match ends, uh, as opposed to the men's, which has not really been the case for me the last few years, because I feel like it's been predictable. You know, a couple of years ago, we all knew it was going to be Oscar, and last year, we all knew it was going to be Becky Lynch right. in some fashion. So, uh, I think the 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 mystery is a little bit exciting, and either way, I'm excited. But I'm gonna I'm gonna nail down a prediction and say that Shayna Baszler wins the women's match. But I really hope it is Sasha, and we get to that storyline between her and Bailey, and then we do Becky versus Shayna and or Ronda in some other fashion. Right. Right. Well, I mean, and here the only disagreement I have though is like I I don't want another. I, I'm cool with Sasha winning, but I don't want another Sasha Bailey match because it's been the whole like I just don't want that to be Bailey's career. Well, they Since, haven't done that on right. the main roster. I get your point. Yeah, that that was more of an NXT thing. Well, no, I mean, even continued into Raw and, and SmackDown with those two. I mean, where it was like. They're BFFs, but then one keeps on screwing the other. Yeah, over. they I mean, they teased it, but they never did it the right way. Fair, and I think this would be a good chance to make up for that. Is all I'm and saying. maybe do it once and for all. And yes. Just, okay, I got you. All right. Well, now it's time to talk about the final, the uh, men's Royal Rumble. Yes. Um. You you have the list of participants, so I'll all let right. you. So, we all know who number one is. Yeah. So here is our list of. 22 of the 30. Brock Lesnar will be coming out number one. We also got Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, Eric Rowan, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Elias, King Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, Otis, Tucker, Rusev, Bobby Lashley, Aleister Black, Buddy Murphy, Braun Strowman, Shinsuke, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Samoa Joe. 
Now we already know there's gonna be eight other people. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing we already know there's gonna be one or two like historic names. Booker T's coming back. You he's think been so? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you watched the backstage show on Fox yeah, on Tuesdays. He's been building that up and showing pictures of himself working out. I 100% expect Booker T in this match. Right, but I'm, but you know, usually they bring someone like you have to like follow Twitter the night of and see who's right, magically right. in Houston. Of course, Booker T makes sense; he's from Houston, right? Exactly, Sugarland to be exact. But right. yeah, so, uh, but uh, you know, I, I I think there could be a couple other surprise people like that. Um, one person I have in mind, and people are going to say I'm crazy. Okay, but we want it. The universe wants it. It would be a moment that people will never forget. Okay. Philip Brooks. C. M. Punk. Don't get my hopes up. <laughs> because I would love nothing more than to see Phil Brooks come back and win the Royal Rumble and go main event WrestleMania like he should. Oh, he have. wouldn't win. You don't think so? No. You you think they would bring him back and not have him win this match? Is it WWE? Oh, okay. Is it WWE? Okay. Listen, number one, it ain't going to happen. Not yet. I do think down the line he will be back in a WWE ring for a match. I don't think it's going to happen this week. But when they do, they're going to cash in because they know they cannot have him lose. He's too, he's too important, too big of a star. I'm sorry, I don't think that's going to happen. Do you think Edge is going to be in this match? Because there has been a lot of chatter. There have been rumors and reports that he's been to the WWE doctors and has received clearance, signed a contract. But up until this week, Adam Copeland, who competes as Edge, has said you know, numerous times, that's not true. It's, you know, I don't have a contract. If I did, I would know all that tongue-in-cheek crap. Do you think he's lying? Do you think he's going to be back? I think it's possible. But you know what? Where there's Edge, there's going to be one other person. Christian? Yeah. I, I can see both of them coming back. I don't see it being just Edge if that happens. But, uh, you know, right now we only don't know of eight people. So yeah. I think you have to also make assumptions that some of these other people are going to probably be from, you know, rosters that just haven't been named yet. You've got to think that, uh, you know, they're going to bring out, mm, well, no, mm. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kane again. I mean, it's Royal Rumble. That's like his turf. But uh, what I will say is there may be a number of surprises. Listen, there may be a number of interests we don't know yet. I'll tell you right now, none of them are going to win the Rumble. Right now, my prediction is, and it's similar to yours, I think Roman Reigns is going to win the Rumble. Now, earlier you talked a little bit earlier about how you think that Corbin is going to play some sort of role. I see that, but I also don't see that. I think it's double edge. <laughs> so, <laughs> double edge. Double edge. <laughs> I think really what the the only way I can see King Corbin being involved with it would be you're down to three people: Brock, Roman, him. And somehow what happened was earlier in the match he, he pulls like a Santino and like he gets. Out of the ring in like the first rope or something, people just forget about him. He's gone yeah. for a while, and all of a sudden, you know, Roman takes out, uh, you know, he takes out Brock, 
And then all of a sudden, you know, big dogs went in, everybody's celebrating, and then here comes King Corbin, and he, you know, gets too cocky, and then Roman composes himself and gets him out. I can see that happening. But really, what I think we're going to see more of, it's not going to be so much Roman versus King Corbin. We already got a match dedicated to that. It's going to be Roman and Brock. But either way, I think Roman wins. The only reason I disagree about it coming down to Brock and Roman is they know they've been to that well numerous times and nobody liked it. Um, and I think they're, they're treading lightly with what they do with Roman Reigns because they know that he is finally at a point, popularity-wise, where they have wanted him to be for the last six-plus years. And so I don't think they're necessarily going to go that route I do think they will meet up at some point in this match because that just seems inevitable. Um, but I am I am going to say that Brock gets eliminated early-ish. I don't think he'll be in that last five to ten people, honestly. I think we're going to set up his WrestleMania feud with somebody, maybe a returning somebody or, or a surprise interest, I should say, or one of these bigger guys who are in this match who have kind of been built up recently. I don't know. I just have that sneaky feeling, first and foremost, that Brock will not win. And second of all, that he's not going to be among that last group. Um, but like I said, if Roman is going to win this match, they have to have it come down to him and Baron Corbin. That way they guarantee themselves that he gets cheered. Because they don't want to go like they did years back when they brought The Rock to try to alleviate some of the, the boos, and that just didn't work. They, people booed The Rock over Roman Reigns. So that tells you how bad it was. And they've come a long way since then. They are not going to mess it up now. If Roman does not win, and frankly, even even though I think that would be a well-booked way of doing it like we were just discussing, I don't want him to win. I think you can get to The Fiend versus Roman Reigns a little more naturally than just Roman winning this match. If they don't go that route... And I hope they don't. I really hope to see Drew McIntyre win this match and go on to beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Maybe he eliminates Lesnar and goes on to win the match. Maybe that's how they get to it. Um, I would love to see Drew McIntyre in that role because, first and foremost, he has waited long enough. He has been start. He, they have started and stopped with him so many times, including in the last year. And I don't know how closely you've been watching him for the last. I don't know, month, month and a half. First and foremost, they're building him up to win a lot of matches. And second of all, they're allowing him to show a lot of personality in the ring and on the microphone, and he is connecting with the audience. So I would love to see that guy win it. Aleister Black is another option. But if I have to make a pick, it's going to be Roman Reigns. But Drew McIntyre is the guy that I really want to see win. Fair enough. And I just got to say, we, we talked about one, two, three, eight matches total. And obviously, they're going to add some stuff because they got to get through the pre-show. You know they're going to have a tag team match. Yeah. That, I noticed there was an absence of that. Yeah, I got to give them kudos for right now, though, for trimming down this card. Because we've joked the last couple of years about how bloated WrestleMania is. Last year was awful with how long that show was. And it completely watered down Becky Lynch's win at the end because that happened after midnight. Uh, Eastern time. So I applaud WWE for hearing the fans' complaints on that and for the moment as of this recording having a somewhat short match card here. True. I mean, we'll see what happens. We we know it's WWE and they'll probably have one or two more matches. 
But what I would like to see is maybe use that as an opportunity to have the actual rumbles be a little longer because yeah. it also seems like they speed up the rumbles recently. I'm yeah. not. I'm never a fan of speeding up the rumbles. They they have been right about an hour. Yeah, it feels like I could definitely be wrong about that, but it, it feels like they're capping at an hour and that's it, rather than letting the match sort of flesh itself out. Right. Like try to add like ten minutes to the rumble, yeah. just see what happens. I mean, just let it happen, let it flow. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see if they do that, how they do it, because with Lesnar starting number one, he's probably going to eat through the first four or five guys. Oh, yeah. They're going to send out a bunch of small-name jobbers, and he's going to kill them. So I'm curious. If, if they do go longer with the men's match, I'm curious to see how they do that and handle Lesnar. But anyway, I think it's going to be a great show. I am excited about where the WWE storylines are standing today and cannot wait to see these first steps toward WrestleMania. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, like I said, I never get not excited for a Royal Rumble. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's better than the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, speaking of the Super Bowl, we're going to be right back here next week discussing that game between the Chiefs and the 49ers. We hope you come back and join us for that episode where we'll talk about that game. We'll talk about what happened at the Royal Rumble and how yep. we felt about it and and if the last two or three week trends hold, we'll talk about a new development for Georgia football. So uh, yeah, well, I'm just hoping that uh, Royal Rumble has a bigger brawl than that Kansas State game. <laughs> I knew State you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Shout out to Ryan Black, who was like two <laughs> feet away from the whole thing. And if you enjoy listening to us over here each week, we also advise you to check out our buddies, the Mailbox Smashers podcast. Uh, they have two episodes out right now. I think they'll probably be coming out when they're throwing one soon. Very fun to listen to. They yeah. have a wide array of conversations. Yeah. <laughs> I still disagree with them about Subway. I personally am fine with Subway. I was ready to fight over that Subway comment. I mean, I mean, I prefer Jimmy John's more, but, uh, you know, that's just me. Everybody <laughs> has their own bread. But uh, be sure you check out the Mailbox Smashers. I mean, good stuff. Yep, and you can find that on Spotify. Just like us. Right along with us, and we are obviously at multiple other avenues, and... Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Be sure to give those guys a listen. We'll be right back here next Friday with another brand new episode. Thank you for listening to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Check back next week for another brand new episode.